Deans is proud to present the WHS Healthy Shops speaker series. This week, Edward Dreslinski from www.socopsychotherapy.com shares parenting a perfectionist child, how to know when they are pushing themselves too far. Therapist and when I lecture is very conversational. I want y'all to feel free to ask questions along the way anytime you want. Um, there are some things that I'm going to tell you all that might make you uncomfortable, and I'm okay with that. That's I always tell everyone that I work with my favorite kind of conversation is an awkward one because that's where the growth comes from. Um, and Rye, I am credible on this. I worked for years in a residential setting only with adolescents, um, specifically teen girls that would either struggle with some type of anxiety, depression, very frequently related to perfectionism, trauma, but one of those two things tended to be the things that came up more often. I've been in private practice for a while. A third of my practice I always keep specifically for teens, but to be quite honest, I'm very selective about who I work with just because my style is unique and it does not work for people who really aren't interested. Um, if you're just kind of going through the motions, oh, it's going to be a pain working with me or even talking to me. So that's just, I'm okay with that. I accept it's part of the plan. Um, I give lectures on basically three things. I give lectures on self-harm, perfectionism, and eating, well, I don't want to say eating disorders, but I would say the factors that lead to them. Um, and one of the biggest ones is actually perfectionism. It leads to eating disorders. Pretty much, it's like a direct path for young women. Um, a little bit more aggressive behavior sometimes with boys if it isn't going the way of the, um, they want it to be. Um, I have a freshman in college. My daughter went to Lhasa, um, which is one of the most competitive schools in the country. I think it was rated the number one most stressful school and like this, one of the 16 best public schools. Um, so I can relate to all of your pain. I'm empty nesting right now, so you'll forgive me because, you know, like I said, she's off and being a freshman right now. And she has battled her own, um, been on both sides of the perfectionist coin, both in the positive and the negative. In the vernacular, when we say perfectionism, that's very different than like the clinical term. And there is no diagnosis for perfectionism. I can't diagnose it. Like I can't say, yep, that's the issue. Um, that's one thing that I wish was added. I also wish just being a jerk was something that I could kind of diagnose people with, but it's not possible. Um, because sometimes that's just the reality of things. But perfectionism is one of those strange things that as hard as this to hear, it has pretty much one etiology, um, one origin story, and it's parents. Um, and there are things that I have to look at all the time, and this is with the best intentions. There's never intention to do this at all. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't push your children. I pushed mine really hard, um, sometimes too hard, and had to catch myself and make sure I pull back. Um, and if you can do that, that puts you ahead of the game already. Um, my daughter and I have always had, I've always been sort of a mom. Being a therapist, I've always been the more maternal, and mom takes care of the more business-like stuff. But the truth is, I asked my daughter once, I was like, what is it that allowed you to feel comfortable talking to me about very awkward things? And because I wanted to know, because as a therapist, like, what can I suggest? And she's like, you always me when you screwed up. Like when you made a parenting fail, when you were mad about something that happened at work and you came home and you took it out on me, you owned it the very next day and said you were sorry and I saw you always actively trying to improve 
on the things that you would struggle with sometimes, and she's like, that made it okay for me to make mistakes. And that's huge. There's a cultural component of this too. Um, so that's just the reality, and that is not a bad thing. And I can work with people and have worked with people from various cultures, but the truth is the obligations are different in different cultures. Some places you have a more collectivist culture where at some, like the children are actually knowing that at some point they're going to be responsible for taking care of their family, and that's not a bad thing. But it does change the dynamic, and it changes the way that I would have to work with them and treat them. Because the reality is they're going to be faced with some exterior feelings of responsibility that they can't do anything about. And that's a tough thing. But that doesn't mean that they can't be successful and learn how to separate it. Um, healthy perfectionism is striving for excellence all the time. And that's okay to strive. I'm going to, do the, I'm going to, I'm going to be the leaving no stone unturned, making sure that they've dotted their I's and crossed the T's. That's fine. When it becomes unhealthy is when they feel like they need that to get love or approval from other people. When it isn't because it's what they want, but if I fail this test, my parents are going to be so disappointed. If I don't get into this school, I don't know what I'm going to do. Everyone else I know is going to be going to that school. I mean, the pressure that they are under in general is the most amount of pressure that kids their age have ever been in in the history of the world. The generation gap between us and our kids in 20, 30, 40,000 years is the biggest generation gap because of the way information is shared now. The Internet has changed everything. They have so much more knowledge now. That's the truth. Striving for excellence is great, but when a mistake becomes your identity, when they can't let go of, I, can't, I just, I, don't, I can't get over this test. I, I, I can't believe, I can't believe I got. I literally had a kid come in here, bawling to me because she got a 35 on the ACT. Yeah, 36 is perfect. 36 is perfect. She got a 35. Um, one of the more, I'm going I'm to tell you a couple of just heartbreaking stories of what this looks like. Um, so I'm dealing with a college, working with a college student, um, and I work with prodigy kids all the time, Division One athletes all the time. And this young one came in to me, and she's a prodigy at a particular musical instrument, and her and her instructor um, had decided that they were going to play three out of six variations of this particular piece. And it was something that it was scheduled, that was, that's the way it was on the program. So she completed it. And, you know, she went and was in front of her parents afterwards and she said, I, you know, and she didn't tell me this until months after we'd been working together. Um, probably because she knew she needed it and it was tough. But she said, 
when I asked my mom what she thought, she goes, I've never been so embarrassed. I can't believe you only played three of the six variations. And you know what, though? She actually believed it. I had a dad tell an athlete, I thought you were clutch when he didn't hit the last game-winning shot. And in some ways, I know that some of these parents are like, what they're trying to say is, you'll get them next time. That isn't always what's heard. It's just simply not. So being able to figure out the line between what pushing is and what isn't is tough. So my daughter went to a, a good private school, and when she was in eighth grade, she was queen bee. You know, she was like the top of the heat. You go to Lhasa, everyone is top of the heap. And all of a sudden, you're just one of the one of the minions, one of the middle. Some people can tolerate it, but some people can't. I think I can't remember if it was two or three completed suicides last year. Well, it's really stressful, really high stress. And whether or not your kid can validate themselves internally or externally is going to be one of their keys to be a functional adult. And let me tell you what the difference is between internal and external validation. Internal validation is, I did that. I'm proud of that. I know I did a good job. I busted my butt. When you need external validation, do you think I'm pretty? Do you think I can throw it thirdest? Mom, do you think I'm smart? That is the key. Whether or not they compare that, like, if, once again, and, I, and it's tough because so much, this is, once again, a social media issue, Instagram and all that stuff. I cannot tell you how many people, their self-esteem just comes from how many likes they have on a photo. I mean, it's so painful, but that's just the world that we live in. I mean, I literally had a parent come in to be worried because the kid went to the mom and said, Mom, can you create a bunch of fake profiles and just go like my photo? Mm -hmm. Because they were comparing themselves to the photo of everyone else in their peer group. Imagine that. Imagine feeling like... So... This is an easy example. If I didn't want to hang out with anyone six feet tall because I was worried that all of a sudden I would be looked at as short, that's going to be a problem. I can be like, I'm short. Oh, well, the people that are attracted to me aren't going to be attracted to them. If I can actually accept that, that's being able to validate myself eternally. That's knowing, hey, I'm the best I can do. Nothing I can do is going to make me six inches taller. And that's where parents come in. Are your kids setting realistic goals? That kid who got the 35 on the ACT, her GPA was like 4-4. And I asked her, what school are you trying to get into? Oh, God, UT. And I'm like, did no one tell you that unless you go into the office and tell them to shove it, you're going to get into UT.
some kids just think that, but they have that this that panic. What if I won't be worthy if I don't get in? I'll be honest. Uh, I noticed myself with this in that process of going through college applications, like with my kid. And luckily, she had I'd raised her well enough to be able to. She put me in check real quick. So. Right there at the end, she was like teetering on that 3.99, 4.01, and I was on her. I'm like, girl, you need that 4.0. And she looked at me. She's like, haven't I already submitted all my applications? And I was like, uh, uh, yeah. And she's like, cool. She's like, it's my senior year. I have a boyfriend. I have friends. I'm fine with where I'm at. And the fact that she felt safe to say that to me, and she didn't do it because she didn't think she could get it, but she was telling me, I want balance. That's my priority. Your children have to set their own goals. You can't set them for them. And that is really hard as parents. And that's that thing. Are, are we really, like, do we have an understanding of how to be realistic? The bottom line is you can strive for excellence. I, I had another prodigy kid who was probably not just at her age, but at any age, one of probably the 10 best musicians in the world. And she came to me for suicidal ideation. She practiced five hours a day, every day during the week, and went to a, a school that was the equivalent of middle school of Lhasa, where, where the person was from. And, and I would ask them, do you love the violin? Sorry. Um, and she was like, yeah. And I was like, great. Do you want to practice five hours a day? No. Do you think that you won't be as good if you practice three hours a day? My mom thinks so. My mom thinks that if I'm not practicing five hours a day, that I'm not the best that I can be. And I'm like, how good do you have to be to be content and proud? The truth was, that really was the expectation. I was fired fairly quickly after I had that conversation with parents. You have to just make sure that your kids' goals are theirs, that you're not tying your success to theirs. It's interesting. One of the most frustrating things for me, both personally and professionally, when I ask parents, what do you want for your kids? Almost every single person says, I just want them to be happy. But the funny thing is, the, it's typically the parents that are defining the happiness. The other piece of it is, Okay, so 
It's never been my goal to make my daughter happy. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, my goal is to help her be a good person. I think that if I help her be a good person, she'll be able to make herself happy. That's what you have to do. So one of the exercises that I do with almost every client, I'm, this is just for me. I always have people write down, write down the five words you would use to describe yourself, good or bad. If you had to paint your picture in five words, what would they be? Then I have them say, okay, next set. Give me five words that you think other people would describe you as. Last one. What are the five words that you wish they described you? What are the five words that you wish others saw in you? And the truth is, they should all match. They never do. But even with my adults, what is almost always on that last list of words they want to be described as? Successful. And that is, makes me cringe as a clinician. Because each person defines success differently. What, my, what success might look like to me might be different than what it looks like to you or you or you. That's tough. So that's the thing. Like, how many of you, if you said, hey, son, hey, daughter, what do you need in life to feel like you're successful? How many of y'all know what the answer to that would be? Most people don't know. So I, I feel like I am pretty competent in what I do. I feel like I have a good reputation. It's important to me. But if you asked the five people closest to me to describe me in five words, therapist wouldn't be one of them. Who you are and what you do are not the same thing. It's not that it's not important, right? Because to me, what I always stress is there's one word that's the antidote for depression and anxiety, any low self-esteem, it's pride. Do you feel proud? That should be the goal, to instill that feeling of pride. So, some things that are important for parents to do. Tell them about your failures in life because we've all had them. Tell them when that boy or girl that you really like said, I have no interest in going out with you. Tell them when you missed the shot that you didn't get into your number one choice school. Resilience is what you want. Your children have to learn how to fail. That is a critical part of eliminating perfectionism. It's, it's one of those things, even when people like, I, I literally look for reasons to apologize because I want them to know it's okay to do that. It's okay to make mistakes. I'll be in, I'll be in a session, but you know what? Last week, I'm not sure I was the best that I could be. I'm really sorry. I'll try to do a little better today. Most teens are like, what? They're like, yeah. They're like, Okay. And that, even that changes the dynamic, letting them know that they are okay being flawed, that no one is perfect. That's so important. You praise effort. 
over outcome. I know you busted your butt, and man, I know you. Pre- I saw you practicing on that court for X amount of hours. You know, and it's really interesting. Like people, like I, I like, like I told you, I've, I work with like star athletes and stuff like that, and sometimes literally, like whether that they can go to a Big Ten or SEC school, literally they'll start like, I wasn't good enough to get into the SEC. I'm like, you're a Division One scholarship athlete. Yeah, it's not enough. For what? I don't know. I want to be blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hmm. What school did such and such go to? Uh, and they'll get, make me state. I'm like, cool. Cool. Which conference is that one in? Uh, I don't know. I'm like, there are different paths to things. There's not just one path. So where's the line? How do you know what to push? Anyone throw out like a struggle like, I don't know if my kid gave maximum effort. How do you all figure that out? Anybody have any thoughts on this? Come on. I want to hear from somebody. Like, because we struggle. Like, I don't know if they tried as hard as they could or not. Hmm? Well, that's the thing. How do you know if you should? How do you know if... Like, what's your line? Like, when you're trying to assess whether or not they put forth maximum effort, what is sort of your litmus test on it? Time? It's funny, right? Because, I don't know, in one subject, that kid could get an A with spending five minutes, and on the other one, it might take them five hours to get a C. So, it's tricky. How many of you, if you thought... Do I know my children's strengths? Do I do I know what their strengths are? You know, but especially when it comes to school, really. I remember once my daughter was screwing with me, and she showed me this. Hey, Dad, can you help me with this math problem? And I looked at it, and I it looked like an alien thing to me. And I'm like, I don't know, but let's get online. I'll see if I, you know. And she's, and at this point, I'm not hip to what's going on. And she's like. Dad, it's not math, it's physics. It's okay. You know, you know. And so, you know, the reality is, you know, I didn't know. So the reason bringing this up is asking a question and being willing to tell your children that you don't know. Like, in other words, if you ask them ahead of time, how much time do you think that you need to get an A? And they said, I don't know, if I probably studied three or four hours, I could probably get an A. I'm like, cool. But then the most important question is, is this an A that's important to you? Because they can't all be important. I mean, just think about that. They can't focus all of their energy all of the time on everything, especially at more competitive schools. Westlake is a competitive school. Lhasa is a competitive school. There are lots of schools around Austin that are very competitive. So can your kids be honest with you? Can your kids say, I don't, I'm not, I don't really care about this one? So that killed me as a parent. I'm just telling you. Like as someone who, like I said, always tried to be a high achiever, that was painful for me every time. But I was willing to follow it up with a simple, how come? 
And she's like, because I've already done this project, I know I got an A on this one, so I can get a B on this, and I'll still have my blah, blah, blah for the overall semester. Like, if you've got a kid who's capable of doing that type of assessment, you can probably get off their backs a little bit. Now, if they can't. The truth of the matter is, for long-term success in life, if they're like, Mom, Dad, get off my back, please. I've got this. And you're like, no, you don't. Right? Because that's happened to me. You're going to have to do it continuously. But there needs to be a time when you're like, all right, let's find out. And then if they don't have this, you can come back and say, hey, let's talk about why you thought you did it. And you're, you're wrong, and now we're going to have to recover. Let's make a plan. Let's think about what we're going to do differently. But anytime you start saying, you do this, you're going to do this from now on. You're going to spend this much time because I didn't like this. I always tell parents, if you're pulling on one side of the rubber band, the kid's either going to pull the opposite direction and that band will snap and both of y'all are going to get hurt or tension turns internally. Self-harm. So let's, let's talk about that. Perfectionism leads to what? Can. And when I say perfectionism, I mean that multi, that three-dimensional trait of being highly critical, striving for perfection, and the need for the external validation. So what do you all think that sort of leads to? Seriously, because there are a few things here that parents always miss. You are absolutely right. And so usually at times um, when I'm working with a perfectionist, what one of their, like, because as like a clinician, I have to do diagnosis for insurance purposes. And usually one that fits the best is sometimes somatic symptom disorder, where whatever's going on psychologically is literally, my head hurts. I'm having migraines. My stomach hurts. So, yeah, somatic stuff. Well, so what are some other things? So let's just take anxiety and depression off the table. We already mentioned eating disorders. What are some other things? Mm. Yeah, so we'll talk about like warning signs here in a minute. But yeah, that's absolutely correct. I have, I have a student who is Harvard scholar, like, like literally got a scholarship, full ride Harvard. It's like, I'm not going. He literally cannot function outside of his bubble because he spent so much time learning how to do that, and there wasn't enough focus on his social skills, on his ability to be resilient. And towards the end of his scholastic life, he literally just was like, he was trying to tank everything. Like, he just would not go, would not move, literally, like, kind of like trying to move a dead body. Wasn't going out. He's like, I'm, I'm dosed, because he did not want to be successful. He's like, I can't 
function outside this bubble, I can't make it. But drug use is huge with perfectionists. Surprising, right? Huge. Specifically, amphetamines. Adderall. Vyvanse. I have so many genius-level kids coming in trying to present with ADHD. Because they want that. They want that extra hour or two to study because that's what they think is expected. Cocaine. Anything that lets them go harder and further. Steroids. For athletes. All the time. Self-harm is huge with perfectionists. And this is one that most parents don't know. Because, once again, they are so focused on what other people think of them. They're doing it in a way that you cannot see. It's big. So, warning signs. When is it becoming an issue? If you have a kid who's turning in their work and has always done pretty well, and all of a sudden, their pattern's broken. They're forgetting to turn in their work. This kid who's always gotten A's, they're not turning it in anymore, and they keep saying they forgot and you're like, man, is my kid ADHD? This is, happens all the time. The reality is I will have someone spend ridiculous amounts of time on a project. But because they have so much anxiety about whether or not it is perfect, they do not turn it in because they do not want anyone telling them that it's a 99 or 100 instead of 100. So there's one... And this is just an interesting thing that I found. These are, they're not related conditions, but it's a related symptom. So when you're dealing with someone with borderline personality disorder, if zero is the most a person can hate you and 100 is the most a person can love you, zero to 99 feel the exact same, like hate. If it isn't this exact ideal, it's the worst. That's what perfectionists struggle with. I can't play Carnegie Hall, so who cares if I'm top 10 in the world? It's that I have to be number one or I don't have worth. So cognitive distortions are huge with per perfectionist thinking errors. The most common one is catastrophizing. I got to be, I'm never going to UT. That 35 is going to keep me from going to Harvard. That probably isn't accurate. So, parents, you have to help your kids reality test. If you talk to them and you find out what their goals are and what they'd be happy with, and you know that they're there, but they keep pushing harder and further, you need to help them slow down and be like, hey, you got this. You're, you got it. You can breathe. Harder when they're freshmen and sophomore. But most of you, like, your kids are wired to be driven. What you have to do is making sure that they're doing it because it's their drive, not to get your approval. If it goes back to what we were talking about before. Um, you have to 
sort of preach balance. Like, how many of you, if I say, so, because here, here's what all, all the research says. If you just want to take a layman's definition of success, which is being high achieving, being able to pay your bills, have a job that you like, you know, that type of stuff. It's actually more important for you to be multifaceted than anything else. In other words, you could be extremely like able to like look at a book, solve a problem. But if you can't communicate it in a way that people understand, you're toast. And it's really interesting. A lot of these kids that have that ability, that have that thing, they may not be the 4, 5, 5.0 kid. They're usually the kid who's honestly somewhere in that 3.8 to 4.2 range that they've sort of said, okay, I'll give up a little bit. I can do it, but I'm not going to because I want to be able to do these, this, and this. You're going to have to be able to like make sure that your kids have all of the skills that they need in life to be successful. So if your kid's socially awkward, Go join a club outside of school that has nothing to do with whether or not you're going to be able to like just be the best because it's something you're already good at. The other thing that, oh my God, I have a, I have a really high-achieving parent. The parent is like super high-achieving, and the kid's just not doing anything like at all. And the dad is like, are you kidding me? And I, and I told him, I was like, What's, what's he ever seen you suck at? That's like I don't suck at anything. I mean, I'm great at this sport, and I, and I, you know, I'm, and I work hard. I'm the boss at work, and he's like got that real like strong personality. I great. I said great, and I started thinking about stuff. I'm like, you know anything about cars? He's like, no, no. He's like, awesome. Go build a car with your son. Go do something that you can't do. Go learn how to do something that you really stink at. Find something to show him it is okay to screw up. Because uh, it, even funnier for probably some of y'all in here, the mom was like, this is a bad idea. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. They're going to kill each other. They're going to kill each other. I was like, probably at first, but that's okay. All growth comes from awkward conversations. Does that make sense? So, I'm, I don't know. Any of y'all heard of Brene Brown? Mm-hmm. So, shame resilience is, I do a lot of stuff out of her framework. Um, anybody can tell me the difference between guilt and shame? So important to know this because guilt is actually tied to every positive emotion a person can have good self esteem, resilience. Contentment, shame tied to depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, all that stuff too. The difference is easy. Guilt is I screwed up. Shame is I'm a screw up. So different. So if you've got a teen that's like striving for excellence, but for whatever reason they, you know, they get the 88 instead of the A, they miss that last second shot, and they said, get them next time. That's great. But if it's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't believe I did that. No one's going to talk to me at school. That's the thing. I always tell kids, Michael Jordan missed more shots than he made. It's the truth. 
If you want to consider yourself a successful person, you have to learn how to fail. That's a part of being successful, is learning how to overcome. Does that make sense? All right, that, the mistaken belief. As a therapist, when I worked with residential, as someone who's naturally empathetic, I remember I was working 80 hours a week. I was there all the time. And what I did not realize was that by doing that, by not taking care of myself, I wasn't as good of a therapist as I could be. I wasn't taking time to recharge my batteries, to go back and reset my mindset, to process things that I was experiencing too. We have to be able to have that balance between being considerate and compassionate, but also being able to take care of ourselves. It's just, that's how we be, that's how caregivers stay great at caring. I always tell parents, I hope you're taking a vacation away from your children once a year. You need to do that. And it is very hard for some families to do that. But it's, it's important. Like, you have to remember, your identity cannot be your children. That's the birthplace of perfectionism. You have to know who you are without them. I'm empty nesting. Uh, sometimes I fumble around and don't know what to do. But the reality is I did my job, which means she's over there. I don't judge my parenting by the things that my kid did when she's next to me. I judge my parenting by the things that she does when she's nowhere around me. So one thing I was going to tell you all just in general about you know parenting teens at the end a lot of parents have a tendency to go rescue their kids when they're about to hit the floor. There's a term for that. It's called snowplow parenting. It used to be called hel helicopter parenting. Now it's snowplow parenting. So this is the you when your kid gets that bad grade and you email the teacher saying, what the heck? So snowplow parenting is basically when you clear every obstacle out of your kid's way and give them an easy path. They never learn how to get knocked down and get back up. They don't never learn how to handle adversity. These are kids that never learn how to actually be independent free thinkers. You have to let them. I was like, I remember there was a time when my kid was like, God, this professor hates me. I'm like, yep, going to happen a lot. You have to make the adjustment the truth. So as a clinician, as a therapist, what do y'all think is the barest, the biggest barrier to me helping teens and that are perfectionists? It's the parents. The parents are like, no, I'm doing this right. You can't tell me not to push my kids. They, I know what they can do. You don't. I'm like, can and want aren't the same thing. They really struggle with that. So lastly, warning signs, and then we're done. The somatic complaints like headaches, changes in their behavioral pattern. They turn on all their work on time. They're not turning it in at all. Isolation, starting to get tunnel vision, become singularly focused. Unexplained crying spells. Unexplained anger, displaced anger, and they'll tell you, I'm not mad at you, but 
you're still going to feel my wrath. And then it's the negative self-talk. God, I'm just never going to be smart enough. I'm not going to get into that school. That fatalist all or nothing thinking. That's, please hear that. If they have that 100 or zero, I didn't get an A, my life is over. I didn't get into Columbia, my life is over. I'm going to get kicked off the drill team. Whatever. Those fatalist type of comments, that's a huge warning sign. Thanks. I appreciate it. I hope it was helpful. Thank you for joining us. If you're interested in the archive video recording of this session and any corresponding handouts or resources, please visit the WHS Healthy Shaps website at healthyshaps.weebly.com.